Hey, welcome back to another Pillar Tax Podcast, where Dan and I, we go in on all things taxes. You got to know this information is going to help you be what I would call like financially literate, like Dan, like a person that doesn't take the time to educate themselves on the foundational issues. You know, we know there's over 4 million words in the tax code. All right, we get that. But the foundational things are what usually get people tripped up and caught up in these traps. Would you agree with that, Dave? Oh, yeah, no question about it, Jay. It's the, the every person, particularly small business people. Now, you and I deal with a lot of small business people. We're dealing with small business people all the time. These are the ones that get tripped up because they don't know the basics. And I hear this a thousand times. Oh, I got a CPA, Dan, that handles this or handles that. That's fine. That's good. You need that kind of help too. But the fact of the matter is there is no substitute for not knowing the basic things that you need to know to stay in compliance. Because look at CPAs are, I mean, think of a CPA like a dentist. And, and this is how most people deal with their, with their CPAs, Jay. You see your dentist once, maybe twice a year. And you go in, you get your checkup, you get your teeth cleaning. And so that's great. But the dentist doesn't brush your teeth for you every day. Right. The dentist doesn't floss your teeth for you every day. All right. The dentist doesn't uh, doesn't do the things that you have to do for daily maintenance to keep your mouth healthy. And the same thing is with CPAs. Most people don't see, the, see their CPA any more than once a year. Sometimes they might see them once a quarter. But people aren't talking to their CPAs on a regular basis to make sure they're in compliance. So that's why you need to know the basics. You don't have to become a tax lawyer. You don't have to become an accountant. Yes, you just said, Jay, you don't need to know all 4 million words, but you do have to know the basics. And that's why PillarTaxAcademy.com is critical for everyone on the podcast. Make sure you stay uh, tuned in to PillarTaxAcademy.com. Get yourself the mastery course. Like it's going to be, you know, probably five, six hours of content that's going to get you like literally bulletproof on the basics. So, Dan, I want to go into another subject here. Let's talk about the ERC, the Employee Retention Credit. Right. It's buzzing right. all over the place. Yep. But most people don't know what it's about. What is the ERC, Dan? Yeah, that's a good question, Jay. And there is a lot of buzz about this and there's a lot of misinformation. So let's see if we can straighten some of that out. The employee retention credit was added by the CARES Act in March of 2020. And it was a tax, a refundable tax credit, Jay. It is a refundable tax credit that is available for businesses who kept employees on the payroll, paying employees during the period of the COVID shutdowns. Right. So that's that's the overview of it. There's a lot of twists and turns and it was amended four different times over the course of about a year and a half, maybe two years. And so there's a tremendous amount of confusion about it. But this is the credit that's available to businesses that kept people on the payroll. Right. That's a big one. You said that kept people on the payroll. Now we're dealing with timing. How long does this uh, available? What's the time slot? So if I, if there's businesses that were out there, who's eligible and from what time period is there? All right. Well, let's talk about the time period and then we can talk about eligibility. The time period is generally speaking, the, the last three quarters of 2020, right? And the first three quarters of 2021. Under certain circumstances, businesses might be available for the credit 
if they fall into the fourth quarter of 2021, but most businesses are going to qualify for the last three quarters of 2020 and the first three quarters of 2021. Now, most of those business, now this credit J is claimed on form 941, which is the, uh, the uh, employer's um, uh, the employment tax return that employers file on a quarterly basis. Now, most employ well, <laughs> employers that are in compliance, Jay, have already filed those forms. But you got, so, so if you did not claim the credit, then you got to say to yourself, well, I already filed my form. Can I still claim the credit? And the answer is yes, because you got three years, three years. to amend the tax return. Now, here's what happens with a form 941 amendment. Okay. Three years does not start running, Jay, until January of the following year. So when we're talking about tax year 2020, even though you filed your second quarter 941 in July of 2020, the clock doesn't start running until January of 2021. And now you got three years, which gets you to January of 2024. And the same thing happens with 2021. The clock starts running in January of 2022. That gets three years, January of 2025. So time is running out on your ability to make the claim for tax year uh, for any periods in 2020. So you need to look at your situation and see if you're eligible for that credit because, Jay, it's a refundable credit. What that means is you can get not only the money back that you paid in taxes, but you can get more back than you paid in taxes. It's like the earned income tax credit that applies to low-income individuals. They get more money back from the government that they paid in. This exact same principle works with the employee retention credit. As a business, you get more money back from the government than you paid in in employment taxes in the first place. And for some businesses that have a large payroll, Jay, we're getting six-figure refunds for people that uh, that uh, you know that are taking advantage of this credit. It's a big deal for small businesses. Okay, here, so a lot of money available out there, but most people won't know it till you go ahead and, and you do it. You check into it. Like, don't let this be something that just passes you by. If you were in business during that time, what I hear you saying, Dan, is people at least to, need to at least check in on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Check in, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. If you were in business paying employees, those are the two key things. In business paying employees, during that period of time, you have to look into this because if you qualify, it's going to be a large, could be a large amount of cash back to your business. As I said, in some cases, we're getting six-figure refunds for business. And what about a person that is an employee themselves in the business? Does that count? Well, if, if you are an employee in your own business and you're the only employee in your own business then that will not count. Any person that is a more than 5% shareholder in their business, 5% owner in their business, they, they don't count as an employee for purposes of the employee retention credit. So you have to be paying other people in order to qualify for this credit. This is good information. We're flushing all this out for y'all. Watch. What about, did the business have to have a substantial drop in revenue in order to qualify? All right, now this is where the confusion comes in. There's a tremendous amount of confusion out there about who qualifies and who doesn't. And most tax professionals are telling their clients 
that there has to be a substantial drop in revenue of at least 20% drop in revenue during certain periods of time in order to qualify for the credit. And Jay, that's not true, right? That's not, mm, that's true. not true. There's two different criteria and either one of them comply. So uh, can, can, can apply. So in other Everybody words- pay attention now, pay attention. So here's what it is. You either have a drop in revenue or you were subject to government shutdown orders. Now let's take a restaurant, for example. A restaurant, and, and, and the language of the statute says full or partial shutdown orders, right? So if you got a restaurant, for example, in Minnesota, or well, across the country, restaurants were ordered to shut down, but they could still do carry out and delivery orders, right? So okay. they were subject to a partial shutdown. So if there's a federal, state, or local government order that required them to fully or partially suspend their operations, then they qualify for the employee retention credit, even if they didn't have a drop in revenue. We're helping businesses, Jay, that actually increased oh. their revenue. During oh, that because of, of all the takeout, some businesses picked up. That's exactly right. That's exactly so they didn't right. lose. They didn't lose money. They picked up and they're still eligible to get this credit. That's exactly right. Now, listen, let's take the other side of the coin. Certain businesses were not subject to federal shutdown orders, right? Or a state. There were very few federal shutdown orders, but state shutdown orders. Minnesota, for example, had a list of its uh, what they called essential businesses. Now, how the government is able to decide whose business is essential and whose isn't is a whole nother discussion, right? We can save that for a different day. But the, the governor of the state of Minnesota decided that certain businesses were essential and would not shut down. All right. So those businesses were not subject to a shutdown order. In that case, in order to qualify, the business had to have a drop in revenue of a certain percentage. So you eat, you qualified by either a drop in revenue or a a, uh, a part a full or partial shutdown order. But you did not have to face both conditions, one or the other. If either one applied, then you qualify for the uh, for the credit. Y'all got to know this. See, people don't. And if you are not affected by this, you probably know some people that are. Make sure you get a hold of them. Have them listen to this broadcast, this episode. Dan, now this is this is a. Uh, I don't even know how to qualify this one here. Uh, I think about a month ago, the IRS issued a statement. Is this true or not true? I'm thinking it's true that the credit. The tax credit, the the ERC was a fraud. You're absolutely right, Jay. And I'll tell you, I got to tell you something. I was completely flabbergasted by the report that the IRS issued. They issued a taxpayer, consumer wow. taxpayer alert, okay. saying that there's companies out there that are that 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 are that are falsely uh, advertising uh, eligibility for the employee retention credit. Now, now let's get. Let, let's give the IRS some 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 benefit of the doubt here, even though I I don't like. Dan's gonna the IRS. give the IRS a little bit of the. You, you know, Jay Jay, you've known me a long time. You know, I don't like to defend the IRS, and I don't defend the IRS. Yes. But I looked at that employee uh, that, that that consumer alert that they issued, okay. and I'll tell you, it was written very very vaguely, and to the to the ignorant person, the some who somebody who did not understand the employee retention credit, it would be very easy to read that warning 
and come away with the conclusion that there's no such thing as the employee retention credit. It was written so vaguely and so broadly as to make people believe that there was no such thing as an employee retention credit and that any company that was advertising for an employee retention credit service was committing fraud. That in and of itself is fraudulent. Now, the IRS would say, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're just warning people that certain companies out there are improperly claiming the employee retention credit. Well, maybe that's true. Maybe there are certain companies out there that are improperly claiming the credit. That's possible, Jay. All right. But people need to understand that when you read that consumer alert on the IRS's website, you come away with the conclusion that there's no such thing as the employee retention credit. And that is absolutely not true. This statute was passed by Congress. It was passed in March of 2020 as part of the CARES Act, which was, you know, a, what, three or four thousand page document that had all these tax benefits in there, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to try to overcome the, the problem of of the of the uh, of the COVID pandemic, and then the and then the the employee retention credit went through a number of revisions to the point where in November of 2021 it was retroactively repealed to September of 2021, and this is where all the confusion comes in. There were so many twists and turns in that statute over the course of a year and a half almost two years, that people are frustrated with the confusion and they didn't bother to sit down and sort it out. Well, I got news for you, Jay. I sat down and I sorted it out and I know how the credit works and I know who's entitled to the credit and who's not entitled to the credit. And I'm telling you that the IRS's claim that makes people think that there's no such thing as a credit is absolutely wrong. That credit is statutory, it's available, and in certain circumstances, it's worth big dollars. And anybody that pays employees during that period of time, last three quarters of 2020, first three quarters of 2021, needs to investigate whether they're entitled to claim that credit. Because as I said, it's worth a lot of money to a lot of businesses. I'll say, so, so look, it's cleared up. It's real. Congress passed it. It's legitimate. It's not a fraud. But like everything else, there are some people, some companies that are committing fraud with it. Yeah, could be. And so the IRS is shooting something out there to try to back down the people that are committing fraud. And they so paint with committing the broadest fraud brush to worry about, right? They, right they paint, yeah, they paint with the broadest brush there is, and they give people the impression that there's no way you can get relief. The IRS did the same doggone thing, Jay, a year ago. Back in July of 2022, they issued a statement saying that there's no such thing as an offering compromise program. An offering compromise program is a program that allows people to negotiate a settlement with the tax with the IRS for less than they owe. So you might owe the IRS 100 grand, for example, and you go in with an offering compromise and say, "Look, IRS, I can't pay you 100 grand, but I can't pay you five or ten or twenty thousand dollars." So you end up sending settling for a few cents on the dollar. Maybe it's five or ten or twenty cents on the dollar, but you end up settling your case. Well, the IRS issued a consumer alert a year ago saying that there was no such thing as an offering compromise program that you couldn't settle your case for cents on the dollar. And Jay, that was absolutely fraud as well. And I'll tell you what, I was so ticked off about that statement that the IRS issued. I actually filed a complaint with the uh, Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, the oversight watchdog. So you, you saying that was a fraudulent statement by the that IRS? Was, that was a deliberate fraudulent statement by the IRS. 
There was no, there was no misunderstanding that statement. They made it look like there was no way that you could settle your case for cents on the dollar. And that anybody that was proposing to help a taxpayer settle for cents on the dollar was guilty of fraud. I filed, I filed a 10 page complaint with the treasury inspector general of tax administration. And you know who I named as the fraudulent person in the IRS, the commissioner. I named the IRS commissioner as the person responsible for the fraud. And I wanted the commissioner investigated for this fraudulent claim that he was making, of course. Because you've helped people settle for pennies. Oh, heck yeah, we do it every day. We do it all the time. We settle these cases for, for cents on the dollar. <laughs> some of it's five cents. Sometimes it's five cents. Sometimes it's 15 cents. Sometimes it's a half a cent. It depends on the individual's specific facts and circumstances. Every case is different. But don't let anybody tell you that there's no such thing as an offering compromise program. Don't let anybody tell you there's no such thing as an employee retention credit. And there absolutely is. The question is whether whether you qualify or not. And that requires somebody who knows what they're doing to take a look at your case. Hey, listen, this is a fire episode, fire show. Dan, any parting words as we close out on this episode? Well, don't be confused by the media. Don't be confused by news reports. Deal with somebody who knows what they're talking about. Understand what your rights are. When you understand what your rights are as a taxpayer, you're never going to get run over by the IRS. When you understand what your rights are, you're never going to pay taxes you don't owe. So the ball's in your court. For you small business owners out there, the ball's in your court. Take the initiative and do what's best for your business and your family. That's another Pillar Tax Podcast episode. And listen, we keep bringing you the fire. Make sure you check out PillarTaxAcademy.com. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with other people. We want to help people be empowered to be able to make an impact for good. That's what we're about here, Pillar Tax Academy. Thank you, Dan, for another powerhouse show. My pleasure, Jake. God bless you.